This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Uh, what a way to head into a long weekend. What's going on, everybody? And welcome to a Thursday, a bad Thursday edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. I'm Andrew Patterson, Michael Remus with me in the command center and We've got lots to cover for you over the course of the next uh, 90-odd minutes. Uh, David Pagnotta from the fourth period will be our guest coming up in uh, about one fifteen. if you're listening live on the YouTube channel. And welcome to everyone that's already in the chat. Great to see you all. We'll also talk and uh, catch up with uh, Valor FC head coach Rob Gale, a great friend of the program. Preseason just around the corner. We'll find out how the uh, Valor lads are preparing for the upcoming season and how things look for the CPL in the midst of everything that we're dealing with. And without a show tomorrow and with so much going on on the weekend, I figured what a perfect day to bring in my pal Chris Abbott from Cool Bet. We'll hit those daily lines. We'll look at the futures for the World Curling Championships, which begin on Friday. And we'll also find out where the money was going before first pitch today for Major League Baseball futures. And, of course, it is opening day. Play ball. Jays and Yankees going at it. And I know my friend Michael Remus is fired up to see the boys this summer back. Remo, what's going on? Yes, I'm fired up. I got my uh, opening day hat on here, one of many. I got my uh, jersey in the background. Uh, This is the first time I've had the TV on um, during the show. Usually I I don't have it on. I want to be concentrated. But I got the Blue Jays game. They're playing the Yankees. And, uh, yeah, I think this baseball season is supposed to be a bit more normal. You know, they're trying to play 162, although we did run into a postponement this morning. uh, Mets, Nationals postponed. So wait and see what happens there. We did have a postponement last night, last second, with the Canucks and the Oilers. And I'm sure we'll talk about later how that fits into uh, the Jets schedule. They're supposed to play Vancouver coming up. Yeah, I mean, we're... You know, I was ahead, just going to say, we will stay uh, you know, all over that story. And if any of the insiders break anything over the course of the show, we'll have it for you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Jets do have two games coming up over the course of the next week against scheduled against the Vancouver Canucks. So if they were to get shut down for a week, that would impact Winnipeg's schedule. Um, so that's something we'll certainly be paying attention to heading into the long weekend uh, this afternoon here on Thursday. Um, as I mentioned, we'll talk about a number of the big stories in the National Hockey League with Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period coming up in a few minutes. Trade deadline, the situation in Vancouver, what's going on south of the border. Nate McKinnon following up Connor McDavid's $5,000 fine and getting one of his own last night, but probably getting more for his money, if you will. Certainly if you've seen the highlights, we'll get to all of that. But Remo, let's start it off with... Uh, I mean, a disappointing night for the Winnipeg Jets. Um, You know, I was all fired up to come on this program today and go into a big wrestling-style promo to the rest of Canada that it was April 1st, but it was no joke that the Winnipeg Jets were in first place. Well, unfortunately, things didn't didn't go as uh, I and many Jet fans were hoping last night, and it was the dreaded curse of the first game back <laughs> after a long road trip. And I know we have fun with the time zones and, you know, talking about the challenges of travel, but I will say this, the Jets did look like they were still sort of on West coast time because, um, you know, it was a miserable first period. They spent half of it in the box. They were out chanced in the high danger category, 10, nothing in the first period. And to be frank, if it wasn't for the brilliance of Connor Hellebuck, that game could have been five or six zip going into the intermission after one. It was only two. And then the Jets were able to get a number of 
power plays of their own in the second period, but it ended up being a shorthanded goal that really sort of, you know, I kind of iced it for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Josh Morris, he came back, kind of was a little bit victimized, not a little bit, was victimized on the on the shorty, came back shortly thereafterwards, got a power play goal on the first of the double minor that went to Paul Stasny, uh, that uh, was, well, Paul Stasny was the recipient of the high oh. stick. But unfortunately um, for the Jets, they weren't able to get another one in the uh the Leafs win three to one. Um, you got to give them to the Jets. They certainly did pick uh, pick it up in the second and third period. But unfortunately, when you spot a talented team like the Leafs, the chances that they had in the first period pretty tough to come out on the right side of the scoreboard. Yeah, I think you got to give credit to the Jets. They battled, but we kind of joked about yeah, first game after a long road trip, uh, teams always have trouble. But I think we've seen it a couple times this week. Now we've seen it from the past in the Jets. I mean, three-one loss to Toronto. I don't think there's anything, uh, anything totally wrong. They just they didn't seem like the team that we've seen before. Uh, I think we had seen some of those other games against Toronto where Hellbuck did need to stand on his head to keep them in, and I don't. I mean, he was regular what you would expect from him. They did have the uh, on the second goal. They had the goalie interference challenge um, that they had a penalty on. Uh, you know, I don't know if that was like a turning point for the game, but you know, they go up two nothing. I think it was more of a desperate thing from Maurice. Okay. You know, maybe it's goalie interference. I think Hyman was was in there, but I guess it's not goalie interference, Huss. If the goalie doesn't know where the puck is, you can you can <laughs> be in his crease and sitting on top of him. And if he doesn't know where it is, it's okay. So uh, Matthews, I mean, he did what he usually does. He's he's an awesome player, uh, and he had two points. And and there was Hyman banging in that uh, the second one, which turned out to be the game winner. I I didn't think it was interference, but because Hellbuck, you know, didn't know where the puck was, he couldn't try to make a save, but. He was definitely in there, like in the crease and kind of on top of him. And maybe if he did know where the puck was and he had attempted to try to save it, then they could have called it interference. Yeah, it was a risky challenge for sure um, from Maurice. But I think, you know, a big part of it, you sort of touched on it, was where we were at as far as, the, you know, in the game. And, you know, an early 2 nothing lead, the ability to cut that down to one Probably was worthwhile. And, you know, credit to the penalty killers. Um, and, well, especially Connor Hellebuck, who, <laughs> as we mentioned, was was brilliant in the first period despite giving up a, a couple goals um, and really did keep the Jets uh, Jets in the game. Um, and, and then you go into the second period and get a bunch of the power plays. But the big thing missing was, of course, Captain Blake Wheeler, who uh, left the game and did not return. Status still unknown for tomorrow at this point, Reem. Um, and... You know, Wheeler does a lot of things that sometimes you don't really, uh, you, you might not notice, especially on the power play when so many of the highlights are coming off the stick of Mark Shifley or Kyle Connor. Um, but it, it was a, a little bit disjointed for the power play units with Wheeler out of the mix. And certainly one of the big stories heading into tomorrow's rematch on Good Friday between the Jets and Leafs will be the status of the Winnipeg captain. Yeah, and Blake Wheeler is not a guy who, you know, misses games like ever. Like, he's taken a puck to the face. He's been slammed into the board, slammed into the post. And you look at his game log on Hockey DB or Hockey Reference, whichever one you prefer. Uh, I think it depends for me. Uh, I'm not I'm not really sure which one I, I'm in favor of. But uh, he doesn't miss games. So uh, when he goes out, you know that it's something serious. You hope he can come back. Um, you know, he kind of addressed earlier this week, if I'm in the lineup, assume I'm 100% sort of earlier this year. But yeah, the power play looked a bit different. They moved Stasny down to where Wheeler's been uh, beside the net. I thought that made sense. Then they put Andrew Kopp, where Stasny usually is in the high slot. He's kind of banged in a lot of goals from in close this year. I mean, his hat trick 
earlier this week, aside from the empty netter, every goal was like in two feet in front of the net. So uh, I think that gives them, you know, a more balanced, a very balanced PP1, PP2, uh, which we've seen, you know, with the Ehlers and Pionk having so much success. Uh, I'm curious uh, if they'll see. I mean, we've been kind of joking what the Ehlers got to do to get power play one time, but maybe they just even out the distribution of ice time. So that's something certainly uh, to watch going forward. Yeah, it was Andrew Kopp that ended up getting the uh, graduating to the uh, the first unit, if you will, in the absence of Blake Wheeler. And Tristan Rivers Music, who's in the chat, says, between the Jets' PK being solid and the Leafs' power play not firing lately, that challenge wasn't as risky as you'd have uh, expected. And I guess there's something to be said for that. You know, looking at the Jets' special teams numbers, and I mean, I know that's always been something, you know, when people are getting all, you know, on the coaching staff in the past, they've looked at, you know, whether it was the PK or whether it was the power play. And certainly coaching is a big part of that. The Jets have been right at the top of the league when you compare and combine success on the power play and on the PK. So I think Paul Maurice thought that in that situation, albeit a risky challenge, it was worth it to potentially get that goal off the board. It didn't happen. The Jets had a number of opportunities, and I think, you know, can look at themselves going into tomorrow night's game feeling that, you know, if we play like we did in the final 40, um, we're able to play with these guys and, you know, it'll give themselves a chance to win. Um, But again, when you start the way that they did and, you know, have a period like the first period last night, against any team, never mind a high-powered team like the Toronto Maple Leafs, pretty tough to expect two points in the standings at the end of the night. Yeah, I agree. They, I mean, the penalties kind of, I don't think it sucked them because they were able to kill lots of them, but it just takes away so much momentum. You don't have a chance to generate much offense when you're killing penalties the whole time. Uh, so real tough, uh, you know, it was real tough. And I want to give a shout-out to Josh Morrissey. Has, I mean, you mentioned he kind of got burned on that breakaway goal, which was the dagger, but came back on the power play. And we've talked so much how this year, I mean, he doesn't have much of a shot. Uh, you know, he's kind of struggling leading power play one. But there he was with that bomb uh, of a shot, seeing eye through. So he doesn't have too many goals on the year, but he's certainly there uh, yesterday snagging one. Yeah, it was nice to see him get that one, particularly the way that that third goal went in. And, um, you know, again, you know, we got to see, you know, a lot. What was interesting for me, Reem, and we spoke about this yesterday going into the game, was with the swap of the centers with Dubois playing with Wheeler and Stasny, Shifley along with Ehlers and Connor, was, you know, this is the first time these teams were playing in Winnipeg where Paul Maurice was going to have the last change. And how would he configure his lines? Who would he go up uh, on the head-to-head matchup? And it seemed like, you know, originally in the first period, it was Dubois, Stasny, and Wheeler that were going up against the Matthews line. And... I mean, we spoke about, I mean, everyone was sort of a step behind and the Jets were a little discombobulated in that first period. So that matchup didn't go uh, too well. Then you had the Lowry line going up against the Tavares line, which allowed the Shifley unit to go up against the third unit of the, of the Toronto Maple Leafs. And that certainly was the matchup that I thought would probably be the most advantageous. So I liked the way the uh, things looked, but to be honest, Considering the way the first period went, you can't really blame Paul Maurice for switching things up. And um, it was back to Old Faithful, the Lowry line, who was tasked at points in the second and third periods of handling the Matthews-Marner duo. Yeah, and that line, that's been there. Uh, and their... Zach Hyman. I can't really forget about Zach Hyman. He no. was sort of an important player last night, yeah. too. <laughs> yeah, he did uh, did score what would be the game-winning goal. And that line's been so good. Lowry caught Babbleton. I mean, you can really trust them against anyone. But not only are they good defensively, you know, they're generating offense. Uh, Lowry, 
Cop hitting career highs, Appleton as well having a somewhat of a breakout season. So uh, I think it shows that those guys are reliable. You look at the uh, sh- you know shot attempts; those guys are all in the positives. Um, a lot of guys are in the positives. Maybe there were some score effects there happening uh, in the second half of the game. But I mean, they lost. It was a tough one. Uh, they know they can beat the Leafs. Maybe they didn't play that well. I think you, you flush it, you move on, and we're looking forward to uh, the rematch tomorrow night. Yeah, definitely. should be a great game. And as we mentioned off the top, uh, lots of questions as to what the weekend's going to look like for the Winnipeg Jets, depending on these games that are planned against the Vancouver Canucks, whether the Canucks will make it here, whether they're going to be shut down. And we'll uh, see if Dave Pagnotta has uh, a little more information on that as to um, you know what the, what the schedule is going to look like. I will say this for the Winnipeg Jets. You know, it's not the end of the world. There's some other teams in the North Division that already have games scheduled after the originally planned end of the regular season, you know, with that week off for the Montreal Canadiens. So if there were a couple of games, they certainly wouldn't be the only ones in the North Division to have to play then. But I will say this, Reem, going into the long weekend, I kind of was looking forward to that Sunday game. Uh, you don't really want to play on, on Friday and then have to wait five or six days to get back on the ice. Yeah, we know the North Division, we've been talking for all year. They haven't had any postponements, you know, all the other divisions have. Look how great it is in the North Division. Um, so we had one late last night. Uh, I had to make check my fantasy lineup to make sure I didn't have any players from those games in, uh, the Vancouver-Edmonton game. But I think we're kind of just waiting and seeing what the deal is, if it's how many players, will they have to postpone more games. And we've been also chatting about how the Jets have had this compressed schedule in March. You know, maybe having a couple extra days off wouldn't be the worst thing uh, to rest and recover once they get everything sorted out. So, you know, we can't really, we can just speculate right now. We don't really know, but uh, it definitely throws a bit of a wrinkle into the season. Will they have to extend extend a week or how is it going to work? So it seems like the North Division now kind of catching up to the other divisions who had to uh, have some teams miss games. Yeah. Now I said, who was it that said? Uh, was it Paul Adet? Paul? Oh, Lowry needs to make Matthews pay the price when he's in the corners. That uh, easier said than done. But I think Coach Paul Maurice would certainly love to maybe be, be a little bit more physical on those star star players. Gary Medeiros, Jets lost the game in the first from a sloppy start. Not like the Leafs really took the game over. And uh, Paul Adet said, did not think the Maple Buds had that great a game. Um, listen, I thought they had a great first period, but I'm with you. Uh, and what was I think the shots were 14-5 at the end of one and, you know, ended up being pretty much even. Now, score effects, we've talked a lot about that from one perspective with the Winnipeg Jets. I think it was sort of on the other side, um, and especially with those power plays. Man, the one thing that really stood out to me, though, Reem, especially in that second and third period, because the Jets did generate some, some, you know, some quality scoring chances, not quite to the extent the Leafs did in the first period. Got to tell you, though, this Jack Campbell... Um, you know, undefeated right now. He's got a league-leading save percentage. Um, I guess the stress to get Freddie Anderson back in the net isn't quite there for Toronto right now. But the big question is, for both of those guys, is, you know, will they last or will they be going to Michael Hutchinson when they get to playoff time like what happened last year in Colorado? Yeah, and David Pagnotta just texted me. Uh, he's running a bit behind, so um, he might be a few minutes late. No uh, problem. If you can, everyone can see me uh, texting here uh, hey, on the stream. Multitasking at the but, command center. That's but, what we do here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, Got to get her done. But Jack Campbell, you know what they call him? Soup. Uh, because of Campbell's soup. Get it? Get it, Huss? It's like one of, <laughs> at least it's not Campbell's E, right? Is that what they would call Is that what it would be? <laughs> You're right. You're right. So, they needed to get a good one. Campbell just doesn't work with the, the usual hockey nickname starter kit. Yeah, Jaxie is that or Jacko is that Ruby? But anyways, he's been he's come in and he's been awesome. 
And I know that a lot of Leafs fans were kind of concerned about Freddie Anderson. Like, no matter what game, they would always have the worst goalie. So it seems to me, at least among the fan base, we'll have to ask David, he would know better than me, that Jack Campbell seems to be the, the fan favorite now, maybe the leading guy. Do they go out and acquire a veteran goalie? And I know Michael Hodgson is there as well, playing you know playing uh, some fine hockey. So I don't know if there's a goalie. I don't wouldn't call it a goalie controversy in Toronto yet, but it's uh, it's more concerns, more concerns it, on the health. I mean, listen, if Campbell's playing the way that he is, Freddie Anderson's still pretty good, uh, although he's had some ups and downs over the last couple of years. And the fact if someone is pushing Freddie and they've got another option, I think the Leafs are in pretty good shape. Um, and this is no disrespect to Hutch. I know he's got a lot of fans here in Winnipeg, but I mean, the Leafs have a lot of pressure on them this year. They are expected to not only finally win a round, but legitimately compete for a Stanley Cup. And listen, uh, you know, uh, Hutch, you know, in case of emergency break glass, you might throw him in. I don't think the Leafs are achieving their goals if Hutchinson is forced to play. So, you know, whether it's Jack Campbell, whether it's Freddie Anderson, a combination of the two, or an addition at the goaltending position just to, you know, be safe that they'll have guys to play come playoff time. Uh, it's one of the more intriguing things on the Leafs side going into the upcoming trade deadline on the 12th. Yeah, I mean, just look at the numbers right now. As Campbell, uh, 141 goals against in seven games started. That's incredible. 948 save percentage. Can he play like that the whole year? I'm not sure, but you look at the, I mean, I mean, probably not. That's like Hall of Fame level goaltending. But you look at the other guys. Freddie Anderson, who's supposed to be your starter, the guy who signed a couple years ago to the long-term deal, 291 goals against, 897 save percentage. Those aren't starter numbers. Michael Hutchinson has been a bit better, 249 uh, goals against, 925 save percentage. But you know, Hutch, he's kind of up and down. He can have those games where he comes in and gets a shutout, but he can also have those games where uh, you're like, this is this guy is uh, you know not an NHL starter. So Campbell, I mean, I think you just got to ride him, as you said, seven and zero. I mean, when you have it's easy, when you have goalie numbers like that you're gonna win games and you have the scoring that they have he's putting them in a position to win so uh i guess i think you would probably ride him as long as you can i would think oh yeah i mean if it ain't broke don't fix it and right now i mean it certainly isn't in the leafs net with jack campbell but as i said you know the concern is just his ability to play consistently and you know a backup plan come playoff time uh Rima, we'll get back to more jets talk a little bit later on as i mentioned rob gale valor fc head coach coming up in about half an hour We'll also get ready for the weekend games, the Lions. Maybe we can hit some curling odds as well with Cool Bet Chris a little later on. Um, but let's get to it. Really looking forward to uh, this next segment um, because there's so much going on in the National Hockey League right now and few better individuals to uh, chop it up with than David Pagnotta of the fourth period. David, thanks so much for doing this. It's great to have you here on uh, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. How are you? Yeah, I got you. Thanks for having me. Awesome, man. It's great to have you, man. It's uh you know, now where are you out on the West Coast right now? I'm in Vancouver right now. Yeah, and uh, uh, heading to Edmonton later on today uh, for a couple games this week. It might just be one, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens here. <laughs> well, you know what? Listen, before we get to, and of course, give Dave a follow if you haven't already. Uh, longtime uh, guest of with ours uh, back on the uh, old station on Pemina Highway at the fourth period. Uh, listen, before we get to Jets, Leafs talk, and everything else in the North Division, and maybe even the other 24 teams that are allegedly playing this year, <laughs> let's talk about the situation in Vancouver. Take us through yesterday how you heard and what you're hearing about the situation with the Canucks as it pertains to whether they're going to be playing games for the next little while. Yeah, it was a, a bit of a tricky situation because everybody thought in the morning uh, during the skate that everything was fine, that 
um, you know, the, the, the positive test that came back to Gaudet was was primarily isolated. At least that was the the mindset and the thought process. And then right before things really started to get going uh, for, for practice and pregame, they, they found out that there was another player and one of the coaching staff members that have tested positive. So they had to obviously put a halt to everything there. I find I found out shortly before and, and there was a little bit of confusion from some of the players because they wasn't they weren't sure was it another player, was it a coach? And then ultimately, you know, they they, they found out. So they're gonna get more results today. And that'll really dictate whether or not any games, any further games are gonna have to be pushed and postponed. If they get another positive back from somebody mm-hmm. within the club, there's a good chance that they're gonna have to push things off for the next few games here. Already sort of up against it when it came to yeah. the Montreal Canadiens situation. Um, I, I know you're well connected and talking to people throughout the league. I mean, what, if Vancouver does have to ice it for a week, um, do you think there's a potential they may actually change games for teams like Winnipeg that were supposed to play them this week? Or is this all going to be sort of tacked on like a few games already have been at the end of what was supposed to be the final game of the regular season? There's a good chance that they readjust the schedule a little bit. We saw this in the beginning when, you know, some of the other teams had to, in the U.S., uh, were, were forced to kind of shut down for a couple of weeks. I think it was Arizona and St. Louis that basically played like six games in a row against each other. We may see a similar scenario here where some of the Jets games that they've got against the Canucks coming coming up, that some of the other games get kind of readjusted so that we can get the bulk of the season intact. Right now – you know, the season was supposed to end May 8th. It's now being pushed to May 11th. There's a chance that if this gets pushed even further, that they're going to have to delay the start of the playoffs, which are right now scheduled for May 13th. So we'll see how that kind of unfolds. But the priority right now is to make sure there aren't any more positives. And I know they're going through the testing protocols and everything again today. We've been here north of the border, at least in Canada, as far as you know, this season has gone it's been pretty good up until yeah. recently. Of course, what happened in Montreal and now what's happened in Vancouver. From the people that you're speaking in hockey, I mean, we're hearing the stories about the variants. We're seeing some increased lockdowns on the West Coast in BC, now in Ontario. Is the level of concern rising right now within NHL circles to um, to try to just keep the games being played as successfully as they had been up until recently? It, it, yeah, it was basically up until up until the Montreal situation. And they thought, okay, maybe it was isolated because Yoel Armia had the, the, a variant um, or tested positive for a variant, and, and Kakanyemi obviously came off that. Um, so that was the primary concern. Was That was the first variant incident that was uh, within the NHL from a player's perspective. I don't know what it is with the Canucks. I'm not sure, and I don't want to speculate. But because now we have three people that have tested positive, and, and hopefully that's it. But because now there, there's now three, you obviously get concerned from that perspective with the variants kind of going all over Canada. Yeah, the, the league is certainly concerned. Um, they hope this is not the case and they hope that this has been fairly isolated and they can get through this. But ultimately, we'll, we'll find out in the U.S., players are starting to get vaccinated in, in the U.S. It's a lot more accessible there. And I know some players personally that have already gotten vaccinated. So that has eliminated a lot of concern for a lot of players. I would imagine that that's going to increase as the weeks kind of progress here, that more players will get it. The NHL is keeping it optional. They're not forcing this on anybody, but players are now taking it upon themselves to get this done. You know, just looking ahead to the postseason for a minute, 
do we know how things are going to work once they get to the final four? I mean, like the Canadian teams are going to play through and one team, whether it's the Leafs or Jets or Oilers or Habs, are going to be the champion playoff champs and be down to the final four. Do we know yet how that conference, whatever we want to call it, the conference final four (laughs) is going to work as far as home games, travel over the border? I mean, has any of that been sort of ironed out yet? Options have been, and and the hope is by middle of June when this kind of comes into play that they'll be able to go across the border without any real concerns. And kind of to mitigate some of that is to make sure that most, if not everybody, is actually vaccinated on both sides. Uh, so for the American teams coming into Canada and then eventually the, the Canadian team going into the U.S. So uh, there's a lot of optimism that there's not going to be a concern that they'll be able by the middle of June to go through this without any you know hiccups, but you know, they're preparing for the fact that if we can't do that and if there's still border issues, then they might have to resort to a team playing in the U.S. And it's not going to be as simple as the, the you know, closest American market. It might dictate uh, or be dictated, excuse me, based on where the other team is playing. So if the U.S., for example, the team is in, you know, Vegas and the Canadian team is playing the Vegas team, they may slot them in Arizona as an example versus somewhere up north to mitigate some of the travel and to eliminate the travel time altogether. Interesting. Dave Pagnotta from the fourth period is our guest here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, listen, you know, before we get to Jets Leafs, I may as well stay on the Canucks and Flames. I'm not sure yeah. that there wasn't probably a few guys in those locker rooms that weren't fine with the game being canceled last night because both <laughs> of those teams are sort of in the position now. In reality, they're playing out the stretch. Um, just thoughts on the plight of the Canucks and the Flames at this point and how their situation in the standings might affect what their general managers do at the deadline. Yeah, I mean, from a body perspective, give give everybody a break from, you know, Jacob Markstrom's side of things. Let him kind of reset a little bit more because he's been kind of floundering the last little while here. Um, I, I think I'm more surprised, quite frankly, at the at the – the Calgary Flames because of the changes that they made, bringing in Markstrom, making changes, having the coaching change in the middle of the season. I thought that they were going to be able to kind of get over all of that and and jump back into the playoff picture. And I just don't see it, not with the way that they're performing. This is a totally different team than the one that Daryl Sutter took over in 2012 with L.A. They tried making some big changes in the offseason. I think if they ultimately miss the postseason, we're probably going to see some – pretty significant shifts in in roster movement for Calgary in the offseason. I don't think they're going to be overly active leading up to the deadline, but probably the offseason is where we're going to see most of it. On Vancouver's side, I think we're getting to a point where they're starting to accept the fact that it's too little too late for them, and we're going to see guys like Brandon Sutter, possibly Tanner Pearson moving out. They haven't – Pearson's an interesting one because, you know, Jim Benning thought or at least made it public on, on March 5th that – we want to keep this guy. We want to get it going. We want to work out an extension. And they didn't talk for three weeks. They had no conversations. He didn't reach out uh, from a phone call conversation other than a few days ago. And there's still no offer on the table as of late last night. So we'll see if they step up in the next couple of days here. Obviously, they have other things to worry about. But if there's no deal, I suspect that Pearson's going to be moved by the deadline. You know, of course, the Jets and Flames played three and four last weekend. And I mean, I was so excited for the Flames post-game pressers after a couple of those games. And I was really expecting we were going to get some vintage, angry Daryl. And it didn't really happen. Some of those players, although maybe the best soundbite the entire weekend was before the Saturday game where he was asked about... Johnny Hockey playing his 500th game, and he said, well, he better have more juice than he did in 499. 
Um, and, and that sort of put maybe a bit more of a spotlight on John. He's a highly played star player. Um, pressure comes with that in the National Hockey League. But um, did you take much from that? And does Johnny Hockey, who lasts longer, Johnny Hockey or Daryl Sutter in Calgary? How's that? <laughs> uh, I think it was a calculated shot at at. Goudreau, um, which, you know, Daryl does all the time. He did it a lot in, in Los Angeles. Uh, they're, they're getting used to that now in, in Calgary. Um, Daryl's got two more years on his deal. Johnny's got one. So I, I don't know how much longer they're, they're going to keep. There was some talk in the offseason that they were exploring the, the trade market on Johnny Goudreau, and that was one of the things that they could possibly shake up in the offseason. Ultimately, it didn't happen. They had a lot of interest in Dubois and Josh Anderson with Columbus before they made their moves uh, Anderson, the first to go to Montreal, but I suspect, as I mentioned, that if if things don't work out, that we could see some some pretty significant roster moves for Calgary this offseason. It wouldn't shock me if Johnny Gaudreau is one of those guys. All right, Dave. For sake of argument, Flames aren't winning twelve in a row and coming back and making the playoffs. I think we pretty much know the teams that are going to be competing for the Cup in the North Division. But give us your fourth period April Fool's power poll of those teams right now as it pertains not necessarily to finishing first in the division but as presently constructed and this could significantly change in a couple weeks at the deadline um, you know when you look at these teams as far as chances to really do some damage in the playoffs how would you rank the four likely playoff teams in the north I like I like a few of the teams. I like the Jets. If they do end up picking up somebody on that blue line in the next, you know, 10 days or so here, then I really like their chances. They've got the goalie to get it done. They've got the depth up front. I think they can make a lot of noise if they add one more piece on that back end. Um, I'm not counting out the Habs by any stretch. I I really like the way they performed in the the beginning of the season. I think they can get back to that. Um, They might make another adjustment or two to the roster, probably just one if they if they do something from a depth perspective. I never count out Mark Bergevin, but I, I, as the team's made up right now, I, I just like their I like their group. And Carey Price is playing with a heck of a lot more confidence as well, so I'm not ready to discount them. I don't like the depth in Edmonton. I, I mean, uh, the big guys are the big guys, and Darnell Nurse is having a great season, and Tyson Berry's having the season everyone expected from an offensive side of things. But, I mean. That's it. I don't. I don't see the rest there. I don't think this team is poised to make a run. I think they're one and done in the first round. Whoever they play, we'll see. I'm, I'm, again, unless something happens here in the next little bit, I don't buy them. And Toronto's a bit of a wild card for me. They're a really good regular season team. That's how they've been constructed. I, I still think they're missing a couple pieces for for the postseason. So we'll see how things kind of play out. Funny thing is. I think it's going to be Toronto, Edmonton in the first round, Montreal, Winnipeg, and uh, as well as the as the top two matchups in the division. So we'll we'll see how things kind of unfold there. Pretty juicy. Now, Dave, you know you mentioned um, the Leafs' lack of playoff success. How much of that that baggage and the pressure is on the team, and how much of it is on the general manager right now going into the twelfth of April? Yeah, I think that's where most of the pressure really is. It's up top. I think the guys on the ice, they've, they've got a good understanding of, of the past and they've done a really good job in pushing it aside because you've guys, you've got guys like Jake Muzzin to kind of get them in, in check. You've got, you know, Joe Thornton to go there and tell the guys, relax. We don't, who cares about that? That was yesteryear. We're not worrying about that crap. We're the team we have right now in place. And I think guys like Matthews and Marner have put that aside as well. Um, but I just don't know if they've had, They've got enough 
from a playoff build perspective to really push them. I mean, if Pierre Engvall's your, you know, fourth line center, I mean, he's, he's a, he's a decent enough NHL player. I just don't think he's that type of a guy to help propel the team. Now they could look and go out and get a guy like Luke Glenn Denning, for example, um, great face-off guy and, and solid on the PK. But as they're constructed right now, I think they're missing a little bit more grit and a little bit more jam in this lineup that goes along with their talent. I like the jumbo ad. I like Wayne Simmons as well, but I still think they need a few more pieces in that respect to add to this team. And who knows what's going to happen with Freddie Anderson, the mind games that get played there in addition to the injury could be tough. Campbell's been lights out and he's a glue guy in that room, but I just have some, some doubts as to the overall depth on this team. The secondary depth on this team is for me, the most concerning. David, I know the trade deadline is going to keep you in the fourth period, boys. Very busy for the next couple of weeks. Here in Winnipeg, to your point, we've been talking a lot about defensemen that have potentially available. And let's just say we spent a lot of time talking about Matias Ekholm. We know him well, what he does and what he has done for the Nashville Predators, playing against the Jets all this time. And it really did seem like with his contract, with the one more year as the Jets try to bring in Dylan Sandberg and Vili Hainala, presumably next year, the fit is just so perfect. But... The Preds have won eight of nine right now. What has the hot streak in Music City done to the potential of Ekholm even being on the move? It makes things more difficult. There's there's no question. And it, it messes things up for us to talk about because they're in this position now. Um, I, I think the, a bit of a silver lining here is, is the amount of injuries that they've got now. You know, Forsberg's out for, for several weeks. Um, Yossi's hurt, right? Ellis is, is battling. He's probably not going to be back for, um, you know, a few more weeks. They've got a few more guys that are, that are banged up. And I think not having those guys in the lineup could affect, I mean, if they don't look too, 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 uh, or perform, excuse me, too well, don't look too good over the next few games here leading up to the 12th, they may just resort back to moving out some guys. Now I think Granlin and Hala are probably on the outs. But if a team is willing to package a first-round pick and a prospect, a good enough prospect for Ekholm, I think they'll still bite on that. I think the Arvidsons and and the Forsbergs, it's going to take a hell of a deal to make that happen. But I think we could certainly see uh, Ekholm, if a team's willing to pay that price, to be moved in, in these next few games. And look, if you're, if you're Chevy and if, if you're the Jets or if you're another team that thinks – we're this one piece away from winning the Stanley Cup or at least getting to that point and, and see what happens there. I mean, I think it's a risk you got to take. David Pagnotta of the fourth period with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Um, you know, we've got somebody asked in, hey, Dave, um, how long does line A last in Columbus, especially if he does not hit 10 goals? Uh, we'll get to the goals, <laughs> but just thoughts on Columbus, line A's situation, Torts' future, and what's going on. They did have that big win after those two miserable losses in Detroit, but um, let's just say it hasn't gone, I think, as many people expected when line A ended up in uh, Ohio. Yeah, no, it, it hasn't. And and it, um, you know, he's going to be the first to, to certainly admit that. But at the same time, I think we're going to see some changes in the offseason in Columbus that are going to cater to him. Um, I don't expect John Tortorella back next season. He's a free agent. This is his last year. I don't believe he will be back behind the the bench. And I think there's some understanding within the organization that that's going to be the case. But at the same time, he's coaching for the now as much as he is coaching for his future as well. So, you know, he's button heads with a player and it just happens to be line a, well, he's got to have, he's going to have to deal with that over these next couple, a couple of months here. Um, going into the stretch. I mean, both both guys really do. Uh, you know, Torts isn't going to adjust his coaching style simply because one of his star players is is not able to adjust his style under that system. 
Um, but they really like him. They've liked him for a long time. There's obviously the connection with Jarmo Kekalainen. I, I suspect Lainey will certainly be there for, for a long time, and I think it'll eventually work out, but I just don't see it happening with Torts. And again, I don't, I don't think he'll be back next season anyway, which should probably factor into Lainey's decision on his next contract. Yeah, and you know, we'd heard the reports, I believe, from Aaron Portsline and some of the people that follow the Blue Jackets that, you know, they're working on a big money one year deal. And yeah. I think part of that is just, you know, a little bit more of a feeling out process, especially if there's a new coach in town, because I can't imagine that considering <laughs> the experience that Line has had so far in Columbus, he's really thinking about inking for eight more. No, exactly. And and you have the luxury, and I know there there might be people that are going, Oh my gosh, it's just a one year deal. You got him. He's he's your property technically for for the next several seasons. So whether you sign a one year, a two, a three, you know, as long as he's still within that RFA status, who cares? It doesn't really matter. So I, I like that process. I think it makes sense. Feel it out, like you said. Get a new coach in there. Make sure everybody's happy, and then work towards that long term deal. You know, it's it's a different kind of bridge because it's just a one year, but it also takes into account the current marketplace. Uh, of the National Hockey League and the the economics surrounding it as well. I think it's a smart play on both sides. Now, um, Dave, the other big story in the league last night was the Buffalo Sabres finally winning a (laughs) hockey game, cracking that 18-game losing streak. And, you know, listen, I I feel so bad for the fans, first and foremost, of Buffalo because they're passionate. They support that team. And, I mean, they've just been served one crap sandwich after another. You know, what are they in year 12 (laughs) of a five-year rebuild right now? Yeah. Um, but I don't want to ask you about Buffalo. I got to ask you, what the hell is going on with the Philadelphia Flyers? <laughs> Ooh, yeah, they'd like to know that too. Um, it's rough. It, the confidence just absolutely seems to be shot from this club. And, you know, a lot of people, everybody's throwing it on, was or was throwing it on Carter Hart. Um, and then, you know, Brian Elliott's doing what he can. Defensively, this team's just struggling. I believe they're a minus 22, which puts them, I think, fifth worst in the league in goal differential. I mean, this is a bad defensively structured team. And I, you know, I wonder exactly what they're going to do, because I know the CEO, Dave Scott, came out a couple weeks ago and said, nope, we want to add, we want to keep this going, we want to improve this club. And Chuck Fletcher said, we're not going to be sellers. I mean, I don't know how you realistically go down that road. I I think they want to make cosmetic changes. I think they're more inclined to do the hockey type deals. Um, but you've got pieces that you could also move that can bring in some decent returns. Like Scott Lawton, there would be a ton of teams that would love to get their hands on a guy like Scott Lawton. You know, I talked about Toronto needing those types of players. This is a perfect ad for a team like the Maple Leafs, and we'll see others as well. Pittsburgh could certainly use him. There are a lot of teams that would love to get their hands on a Scott Lawton, but I, it, it doesn't sound, at least that's what they're portraying publicly, like they want to go down that road. This is a confidence issue with this team, and you, there's a lot of frustration, and you can't throw it on the goaltending. It's, it's been proven because of what we've seen the last few games. It's the rest of the guys in front of the net. Um, south of the border, uh, and I know, and it's funny, I mean, so many Canadian fans have been so glued to the North Division, um, and it's been fun. It's kind of felt like playoffs. The the stakes are higher, certainly from a fan's perspective. If there's ever a time you'd like to have your team win the division and hang a banner, this would be the year. But looking south of the border, um, I've got to ask you about the West. Vegas, Colorado, and man, Colorado put a whipping uh, on (laughs) last night. They put up a nine spot on Arizona. You've got those teams. And then is it really those two? Or could a team like Minnesota shake things up depending on what they do in the next couple weeks? I think Minnesota's coming back down to earth a little bit. Um, 
you know, I didn't think they were going to be this good. I didn't think they were going to be that great. I think they would probably have battled for a playoff position, kind of that fourth seed. Um, but they've exceeded expectations. There's no question. I think they're starting to come back down to earth a little bit. Um, and they'll probably stay, you know, kind of within that within that race. I think the four teams in there right now are probably the teams you're going to see. I don't discount St. Louis. I know they're dealing with a lot of injuries. Um, so I'm not ready to kind of, you know, shy away from them. But I still think this is Vegas and Colorado's division. You know, re- regardless, this, these are the two powerhouses. I actually had Vegas to finish first um, at the beginning of the season in the division. But I think Colorado is now starting to get a, into a bit of a groove here. They've also averaged five goals a game in their last, I think, seven or eight games. So that helps. Um, I certainly, but, you know, it's not sustainable. So I think for the most part, they're getting into their groove. And while the goals will start to go down a little bit, I think the confidence is just skyrocketed for this team. Vegas, really well-rounded, really strong unit. Um, and, and when you've got Marc-Andre Fleury playing lights out, you just that, that confidence from the net out just spews throughout the rest of the room. Um, but for me, I, again, I'm not ready to count out St. Louis because they still have the experience and they're looking to add. And we'll see what they end up doing in these next few days. Over in the East, um, is Tampa still the team to beat? Uh, you gotta, if you want to be the man, you got to beat the man, and they are still the man? Yeah, yeah, there's no question. And then, look, playoff rolls around, and all of a sudden you got that guy named Nikita Kucherov coming back. So that helps. Nice um, little late ad. <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. Uh, this, yeah, for me, I think if we're getting to a position where we see a repeat kind of happening, this is a perfect opportunity for Tampa to, to do that. You know, the, the biggest takeaway for me, quite frankly, this season has been Vasilevsky. So he's typically a slow starter out of the gate, and then he starts to get hot. But he's been lights out from the get-go, and he just hasn't really, you know, shown any um, any way that he's going to take his foot off the gas. He's just been absolutely pushing it and pushing it, and the guys in front of him are getting it done too. They're looking for a defenseman to help out back there a little bit, and they've got a little bit of flexibility in cap space. I think they'll be able to pull something off, um, but – you know, playoffs roll around, all of a sudden Kucherov's back in the mix and it's a, it's a different looking team, even better than they're already performing. So yeah, for me, it's not just the East, it's, it's the entire league. These are the guys to beat. David, this has been awesome. Oh, last question. Cause I know you got to get on a bird and head out to Edmonton to hopefully see a few games and not just yeah. one, um, <laughs> you know, South of the border. Is there a GM or a team that's a little under the radar that really intrigues you going into the deadline that people aren't talking about? Los Angeles. Um, LA is looking for ways to be creative in the hockey trade perspective. They may, you know, look to make, you know, a little rental type deal here and there in terms of out. If I, I'm hearing that contract talks with the Afalo, Iafalo, excuse me, aren't that great right now. Um, and they've got a Tennessee that they got to figure out too. But uh, this is a team that wants to make the big hockey move. They've got a ton of prospects that they're willing to trade. They're willing to trade their first round pick. Um, this is a team that is looking for guys that are signed, that are young, and that fit the overall mold of this team. If we're going to see a team come out of nowhere out of left field and make a hockey-type move, my money's on Los Angeles because they've been trying to do that all season. David, this has been awesome. Uh, tell folks where they can uh, follow you, see the fourth period, and what do you uh, and the boys have cooking up for the next uh, week and a half before uh, everything gets crazy? Yeah, obviously the fourth period.com and, and on Twitter at the fourth period as well. Um, we've got our trade watch list up that we're going to be updating daily uh, starting this weekend uh, with, and we also include teams that have been, you know, rumored to be interested in some of these guys. So we'll be doing that and we'll be pumping out a bunch of content leading up to the deadline as well. 
David, really appreciate it. I was always jealous that you were always on with the big show and they would call you three <laughs> different names in the midst of one interview. So uh, it's great that we've got you here and hopefully we can do this again sometime. You'd be well. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the consistency too. <laughs> right on. There he is, Dave Pagnotta, uh, with the fourth period joining us on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And uh, he, of course, went on with the guys in the morning quite a bit um, in uh, in Winnipeg back on Pemina Highway. Um, Remus, if you're with us in the chat right now, uh, the fourth period, you can follow David. It's all right there. Just uh, uh, click a link. And uh, yeah, no, it was really fun having David on. And um, they do some great work all over all aspects of the NHL, as well as from the business side, some lifestyle stuff. Um, great, great site if you haven't checked it out already. All right, couple minutes. We're going to hook up with Rob Gale, a great friend of the show, head coach of Valor FC, see how things are going as they prepare to try to get back on the field. We'll also have to ask him about uh, Canadian men's national team and how much he's been enjoying seeing Alfonso Davies. Um, of course, the show, Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, our channel sponsored by Boston Pizza Winnipeg. The Call Your Shot promo was going on right now. Any pizza pairs purchase or ice cold Coors Light Sub-Zero or any Molson product, you get an entry to Call Your Shot. You can win Boston Pizza gift cards, a custom-built ODR outdoor rink next year for the backyard, or a VIP NHL experience. You can do that by dining in. Actually, it's going to be nice out. Maybe hit the patio at BP, uh, whatever your closest one, and check that out this week. Um, you can also do it for takeout or delivery. That's Call Your Shot at Boston Pizza. And, of course, our friends at Royal Sports. I'm just checking the, the uh, weather. Looks like it's going to be double-digit temperatures for the next week straight now that we've got past these last couple days. So Royal is ready for spring camping, hiking, new fitness uh, equipment, an expanded fitness section, shoes, and then soccer, baseball, hockey, and tons of bikes. It's tough to get bikes right now. They're still getting stock in, and they've got e-bikes beginning at thirteen fifty. So big thanks to Royal Sports. Of course, not Autocorp, but Waverly and McGillivray. Why not get into an amazing vehicle with the help of the Not team? They'll help you consign your vehicle if you're looking to get out of a lease. And um, if you're at all interested in electric, no better place to go. They have been the Tesla leader in Winnipeg for years. So you can do that. See them this weekend. Tell them the boys at Winnipeg Sports Talk sent you down to Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGillivray. And regular listeners know we're all about the DQ here. Big shout out to Nick and Nikki and the Nick and Nikki DQ group, DQ St. Anne's, DQ Niverville, DQ Polo Park, and Dairy Queen Northgate, where I went yesterday, checked out. I mean, they are so ready for Easter. Um, if you're thinking about a fun way to uh, get into Easter, ice cream cake, see them at DQ Northgate or any of the Dairy Queens. Big thanks to Nick and Nikki for their support of the uh, of the team. Speaking of the team, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about just getting back to some semblance of normal, uh, going to the Bombers, going to the Gold Eyes, and uh, also getting back in the trench at IG Field. And uh, the skipper of our local side, Valor FC, Rob Gale, joins me now. Rob, what is up? Great to talk to you again, my friend. How are you? Big man. I am well. Most importantly, how are you? I haven't seen you. You've had a, a rough few months, mate, but uh, we're glad to hear you're back on the air and back on screens here. That's good and looking well. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, no, it, uh, yeah, rough few months, but I got to tell you, um, you know, in the aftermath of everything, uh, you know, personally, I'm getting better all the time. Still a long road. Um, but as far as, you know, professionally and all this, the support we've had since launching Winnipeg Sports Talk, we knew that there was a demand for it. And it has just absolutely been phenomenal, and we know the passion Winnipeg sports fans have for their teams. 
Um, we just can't wait to be able to, to get out and actually support them again right now. How are things for you right now? I mean, for you, I mean, it's been just a crazy year. I mean, before we talk about what's next, how has the last year been for you? I imagine unprecedented challenges like so many people have had in whatever line of work they are. Yeah, you know, uh, we're all in it together, right? There's no doubt about that. And I think um, we just have to feel fortunate. Uh, because of the way everything is in society, you know, most importantly, the the health and well-being of the people of Manitoba, uh, your family, your friends, and, and just following the protocols, doing the right things. You can see what's happening in other provinces right now. So it, it's bigger than football. Uh, it's bigger than sport. And uh, we're just thankful, you know, we got some part of last season on. Yes, it's difficult. Yes, it's challenging. But there's a lot more people facing bigger challenges than us in the, in the bigger scheme of things, mate. So you try and put it all in perspective. And like you fans, we're desperate to get up and running again and doing the thing we love in front of our great supporters. How big was it for Valor FC and really the league to be able to play games last year? And uh, maybe just a few words on what the experience was like out on the island. I think it was important, you know, you get a first year under your belt and people are starting to see by the end of the season, the level of play is getting closer and closer amongst the teams. The teams were growing, the the, the, the viewership, the, the online with the one soccer, the the tickets, the fans, It would, the, the game day experience was just starting to blossom and grow, right? And when you're a fledgling league, you can't imagine much worse for the owners and everybody involved than the, the pandemic. But... Um, I think what was great about that is we needed some form to keep the momentum going and let people know this is different to former incarnations of soccer leagues in this country. 2026, the World Cup's around the corner. The national teams are flying, uh, especially on the men's side now. We're really starting to show the development we've done over the last few years. And this league is here to stay. So I think by having the Island Games out in PEI, it showed people when other more established leagues couldn't get going, we could, and we mean business, and we're around for, like they said, a 100-year business plan, really. So that was exciting. It was great to get the guys together. Um, and then it was frustrating all in the same time because you had a seven-game season. It felt like a preseason, and we were done. <laughs> and we were getting better and better each game as well. So, Just looking at a chat uh, comment from, uh, from Taylor Ewell, Valor FC games are my absolute favorite sports event to attend in Winnipeg. And, you know, you and me, I went out, you know, really got into the atmosphere and how much fun it was and really to see that level of competition live. For you personally, how special will it be for you and all the guys in the team to get back out there at the stadium, seeing the supporters in the trench doing it the way you did in the first season after all of this? Yeah, you know what? I mean, I'll probably get emotional thinking about it and talking about it. There was nothing better than that first home game, uh, um, standing there in front of friends, family, your community, right? We are a team of Manitobans, four Manitobans. All the staff is Manitoban. Um, and it's like anything. When you don't have it, you miss it, right? And no no, no um, difference. All of the lads last year heard about year one and the fans and we're the best in the league and highest average attendance pretty much across the board. So for them to not have it has increased their desire. For us who've had it before, we're desperate to get back and in, enjoy the brilliant Winnipeg sports community. Like you said, it, it, it is unique. Our games are unique. It's so much fun. They sing for 90 minutes, rain, shine, the mat score. That They've got our back and we've got theirs. So we can't wait, mate, to see you guys bouncing up and down in the trench and 
uh, playing in front of fans is what professional sports is all about. Uh, Rob Gale, head coach of Valor FC with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Rob, a few of the Canadian Premier League teams have begun training. How are things going with your preparations and uh, where are things at as it pertains to Valor? Uh, you know, we, we're, we're following sort of ownership guidelines um, along with government protocols and I think what we don't want to do as an organization or as a club is make a full step, bring anyone in overseas where they're coming from countries of variance that might make things worse. Um, Interprovincially with quarantine and border travel, uh, you know, I think there's a, a reluctance from ownership to, to commit to bringing people in when we don't know when the season's going to start. I think once that gets... Um, finalize and kind of a six-week window before that should should be the ideal amount of time to get the lads in and get them fit and raring to go and uh, get the new faces acclimatized but we're, we're being very careful wearing on the side of caution you know that abundance of caution and making sure we're not the group that makes a mistake when you're dealing with so many logistics and we'd hate to bring guys in have a two-week quarantine and then have a month shutdown like they've had in Ontario right now and I'm amazed, you know, that the Atletico team has taken their team to Madrid in the current circumstance, you know. Uh, I think if they were politicians or public figures, there'd be a lot of scrutiny on that right now. <laughs> so uh, we'll we'll take each day as it comes and, and be guided by ownership and we're we're being patient, but we're we're raring to go and ready to go when when we get the call. Well, we uh, can't wait. We will be waiting for that call, and uh, you know that the, uh, the the supporters will be ready to go when Valor FC is back at IG Field. In the meantime, Rob, as you guys get ready and prepare to uh, get back with the CPL season, you touched on it briefly earlier. Pretty exciting time for Canadian soccer. Before we talk about Alfonso Davies and the men's national team, um, we saw you know your goalie in the Island Games, James Pantemis, playing for Canada at the under-23s. Tough result in that final game for the Olympics. But, I mean, you coached a lot of these young men when you were with the junior program. Tell us a little bit about the the, the youth and the development right now of Canada soccer and how that's showing on the world stage. Yeah, I, I was looking, you know, I coached over half that Olympic squad. And, and most importantly now, you see over half or three quarters of the senior men's team that John's worked with have come through our youth programs. So that means through identification and the development across the country, we did a good job. Uh, that is the role of a youth coach. That's still the role of the Olympic coach. As much as we want to go to the Olympics, um, you know, there were some omissions as you have to favour the the senior team. And Alfonso could have played under 23s, Jonathan David, uh, Liam Miller. But once they're at that level, you know, the focus is going on to the World Cup because if we can get to 2022, what an achievement. And the economic impact of that, uh, the global exposure that Canada soccer would get really would be a game changer uh, and give us a greater runway and, and more resources at every level of the game for four years later. But no, it was great to see James out. For me, he was the tournament goalkeeper. He'd made the most stops, uh, you know, a, a slight error on one of the goals and a mix-up with the defenders. But uh it couldn't be blamed on him and, and they battled as good as they could really considering what a minuscule three or four days preparation camp they had uh, and all of the, the restrictions around COVID and a lot of those players being out of seasons, I thought they represented as well and fair play to Honduras and Mexico. They were a cut above and have been for the last five or six cycles, to be honest. 
Rob Gale with us here. Now, let's talk about the uh, the men's team. Um, you know, where they put up an 11 spot against the Cayman Islands earlier this week. We're into World Cup qualifying. And you mentioned what a game changer it would be for Canada to be in the World Cup, Rob. Um, I would offer that we now have the game changer in the squad. And that, of course, is Alfonso Davies. I mean, a, a superstar in, in every sense of the word, a Canadian superstar, something we really haven't had for, well, maybe ever at that level. Um, his influence on the men's national team and where this team is at as they begin this quest to try to qualify for the World Cup in 2022. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, really. It's uncharted territory, right? We got a global superstar, uh, FIFA World Player of the Year, considered the best left back from uh, last year, Champions League winner. Uh, and number one, a great kid, great ambassador, as you see with his work with UNICEF and his work for refugees all over. I mean, what a what a great ambassador he is for the game and for our country. And he gets people excited. I think that's the main thing. You know, teammates are excited to be a part of it. Uh, you see more and more players who have junior nationalities wanting to play with Canada because of the levels of Jonathan David. Kyle Larin is doing fantastically at Besiktas. Atiba Hutchison has always been there and is a legend of the game who probably doesn't get the credit he deserves. And then the phenomenon that is Alfonso Davis. So, yeah, we're getting to a point where the, 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 the mentality is shifting. People are expecting us to be there or thereabouts. We could rightly be in the top three or four teams. We know Mexico and U.S. are ahead uh, with infrastructure and everything else. But in terms of pure talent alone, we're, we're knocking on that door right now. And it's, it's so exciting to see. I think someone said the other day, it felt like a bit like World Juniors watching Canada smash a team, but it was us in soccer. So uh, that, that's great to see. and It gives everybody that buzz and excitement about what the future holds. Now, for those that are uh, on uh, with us in the chat, I just threw a link in um, in it, and it is for a um, a promotion that you guys are doing with the International Justice Mission for a sweepstakes, where the winner is going to receive two match tickets and all access pass to a training session, lunch with the coaches and players once the COVID protocols allow for it. Um, so, if you're with us right now live, otherwise we'll tweet it out from uh, the accounts. Tell us a little bit about the International Justice Mission, what you guys are doing, and uh, how people can help out. Yeah, I mean, a terrific organization. And uh, there was a, a local fella, Dave, who, who contacted us around this. And I mean, you know, what a great cause, the opportunity uh, to help and support people that are in modern day slavery, as we know. Um, it, it's all too prevalent, sadly. But the IGM sweepstakes, they offer up opportunities and experiences. It could be sport and other things. There's so many great sweepstakes on there. And the beauty is it's just a set price. You can buy as many raffle tickets as you like. It's not like you're doing a closed bid and have to bid a certain amount. Uh, all the raffle tickets are the same price and then the, that increases the uh, the pot overall for such a great cause. So whoever wins, we'll make sure we take care of them. Like anyone who comes to our stadiums, uh, we try and make everybody feel as special as they can and we'd welcome them into a training session come and hang out with myself and the coaches right down at field level, get to meet all the players uh, and have a unique experience, obviously, once uh, COVID protocols allow. But we're looking forward to welcoming in the winner and, yeah, get onto the IGM sweepstakes there and uh, buy a ticket for a great Yeah, game. and I'm just looking at some of the other things. I mean, if you're a sports fan there, I mean, there's the Valor FC package. There's also signed jerseys from Josh Morrissey, Austin Matthews, Michael Jordan, and uh, and I'm looking, I can't believe this, my Chiefs, uh, the Shermanator, Anthony Sherman's offering up his uh, 
AFC Championship ring as well. So there's a lot of really cool stuff, obviously, for a great cause. Um, Rob, this has been so much fun having you on the program. Uh, I guess wishing you and everybody well as we go through these uncharted waters. And uh, what I'm most looking forward to is having you back on the program to talk about the players coming back to Winnipeg, getting ready to kick off, and then getting back in the trench with the supporters of Valor FC and uh, having some fun out at the park watching you guys do your thing. Awesome, mate. Uh, thanks for bringing Sports Talk back to Winnipeg. We need it, buddy. We missed you, and you're doing a great job. So thanks for the interest in Valor, as always, and uh, I'll, I'll be soon. Things ramp up. Hey, you be well, my friend, and we'll do this again very, very soon. There is Rob Gale, head coach of Valor FC, and uh, as I mentioned, you know, we'll tweet this out. Uh, there it is, the uh, I the sweepstakes in the link in the chat right now. We'll throw one out as well from our Twitter feed uh, at Winnipeg Sports Talk if you want to see it. I'm Just as I said, I kind of just went through some of those things with Rob uh, while he was on. Signed Nick Foles jersey, a signed Patrick Mahomes Chiefs jersey. I'm going to be buying so many tickets for this. This is ridiculous. Uh, Jason Adams Cubs jersey. Um, what do we got here? Uh, a virtual kicking lesson with Nick Novak, the well-traveled NFL kicker, Nick Novak. No way. Signed Kyle Zimmer glove, signed Andrew Harris jersey as well. Really impressive to see all of our teams, Jets, Valor, uh, and the Blue Bombers all supporting this right now. So uh, click on that link, get some raffle tickets, and uh, we'll go from there. Uh, man, it was a lot of fun. Always love talking with Rob about, and it's just what a tough time it is for everybody right now, especially, you know, in that fledgling league. Um, they really did, especially here in Winnipeg, have some real significant success in the stands for the first year. And I thought they were onto something. And then, you know, like so many other things, just, you know, a complete um, stop to uh, all of it. Now, they did get on the field in the uh, in the Island Games, which, you know, was seven matches, but I think very important just to keep the the momentum of the league going. Um, but let's face it, everything's pretty much at a standstill until you can start getting fans in the building. Um, so once again, thanks to Rob Gale and to check out the Valor FC website for more on the uh, All In For Freedom, Unforgettable Experiences for an Unstoppable Cause. Um, we're going to get Chris Abbott in here in just a moment. Um, but you know, while we're doing it, let's take a quick look at the leaderboard at the Valero Texas Open, a little golf report brought to you by our friends at Breezy Bend Golf and Country Club. Driving range opens tomorrow, the course opening on the 13th, and they've had such incredible response, and they've been growing the membership year after year. There's now a waiting list. I can't believe it. Um, but if you are interested in finding out more about one of the premier clubs and one of the most fun places to play regularly, find out more at breezybend.ca, and hopefully we'll see some of you out on the course at some point this year. Now, we'd always do the daily lines today, but I figured heading into the long weekend, it would be a perfect time to welcome in my buddy, Chris Abbott. You know him on Twitter, at CoolBetChris, to get ready for these uh, games on the weekend, as well as to find out a little bit about where the money has been going with the beginning of the Major League Baseball season. Let's welcome him in, Chris Abbott from CoolBet. What's going on, boss? Great to talk to and see you again. How's things? Hey, buddy, how are you? Yeah, it's, uh, it's great to be on your show for the first time uh, in this iteration, so I'm really happy about it. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's good, man. I'm excited for baseball. I'm, I'm 100% on my baseball bets so far this season. The Jays-Yankees first five under four just hit thanks to a wicked play by Marcus Semyon. So, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, DM me for picks, and I'll send you my, my PayPal info. <laughs> Chris with us here. Follow him on Twitter at CoolBetChris with a K. Um, 
just quickly, I mean, we're going to get to the lines for hockey tonight. Um, man, the Leafs sure were ready for the first period a little more than the Jets coming back off that West Coast road trip. Um, it was all really about that first period. Jets did have a big pushback afterwards. Um, but, man, when you spot a team like that, that many opportunities. I mean, I thought Hellebuck was brilliant in the first period just to prevent it from being 4-5 zip. Um, not the way the Jets wanted to start, but certainly got some momentum. And, of course, they've only lost in regulation twice or once all season long back-to-back. Um, sets up for a pretty interesting rematch tomorrow night here in the peg. Yeah, I mean, so first of all, full credit to the Toronto Maple Leafs for the way they played that game. Um, first game back off a road trip, um, you're in the penalty box the entire first period. You lose Blake Wheeler early. Um, for the Jets to keep that game 3-1, frankly, was was pretty impressive. Um, they had a lot of adversity. I think, uh, you know, Toronto will be a, a favorite again. Friday night, and I'll be betting on the Jets again because, uh, as we've talked about, they're the, the most valuable team to bet on in the entire uh, major leagues or major leagues. See, I'm already confused in the entire <laughs> NHL. I guess the major leagues of hockey. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, I, I think it's going to come down to these two teams. I think the Leafs um, recognize that there's been some questions that they need to kind of show that they are the top team in the division. And I, I think they played a great game, um, but I think they also caught the Jets in a bit of a vulnerable spot. And uh, assuming Hellebuck goes Friday night again, I think uh, we're we're in for another tight game. And uh, I, I love watching these two teams play. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of skill on each side of the puck. Sign me up for a best of seven between these two teams in a month or two. Wouldn't that be uh, that be awesome? Let's take a look at what's going on tonight. Oh, and by the way, congratulations! You did publicly back the Buffalo Sabers last night. <laughs> Losers of 18 straight, and they got it done. That was a hell of a pick. You need you need big stones right now to back anything to do with a win associated with the Buffalo Sabres? Well, you know, mostly I think it's just the Philadelphia Flyers. Like, they, they've been worse. You know, they, they've been absolutely terrible. And, you know, one good period and a comeback win against Buffalo doesn't uh, quite uh, hide all the blemishes that they have. So I'm really surprised there hasn't been more changes in Philadelphia. Like, something, a trade, a, a firing, uh, you know, AV comes out and he, he buries Carter Hart, um, but that hasn't changed anything. You know, they gave up six last night. So, I don't know, man. Like, uh, someone's got the pictures from the from the Russian vacation. I don't know. But, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's just it's mind-blowing what's going on in Philly. So, I thought uh, Buffalo, if they were going to beat anyone, uh, especially after the way they lost the first game of that series, that uh, it was a pretty good spot. Can they make it two in a row against the Rangers tonight at plus two thirty underdogs? No, all that all that momentum not. riding into tonight. <laughs> I doubt it. I doubt it. Uh, I'm looking at the Rangers at minus one and a half here. That's probably the play. Uh, over five and a half is probably a play as well. Hey, sneaky good prop bets though would be Sam Reinhart goals and points. Every time I look, he's on the score sheet. So um, if Buffalo scores, he tends to be involved. And and not saying that he's going to be. Uh, uh, part of a winning team, but I'm um, uh, as we look, uh, Reinhardt to get a point tonight, minus 111. So I think that's a good bet. You know, a couple of interesting Eastern matchups tonight Pittsburgh at Boston. Boston, a minus 130 home favorite. Pittsburgh at plus 110. Boston, I mean, I had them a couple nights ago and need to sweat out a big two goal comeback just to win in a shootout against the New Jersey Devils after being shut out. What do you make of these two teams going into tonight? I haven't loved Pittsburgh all year, although it seems when I bet against them, they have their best showings. Um, I, 
I like the total maybe over five and a half here. Um, I don't know. Boston, they're still dealing with some injury troubles. They haven't been able to score a ton. Uh, they've been giving up a few. I mean, it, they're a team that I really can't figure out, to be quite honest with you, and how to bet on them. So that's why I went uh, went over. I'll just cheer for some offense and some goals here, uh, as you do have, obviously, dynamic offensive players on both both teams. But um, Boston's traditionally, in the last few years, been a, been a really low-scoring team, a lot of 2-1, 3-2 games. Um, and, and if they don't have their full complement of defensemen, um, and, and you might laugh, but losing a guy like Zdeno Chara back there who, who, you know, would play a lot of penalty kill time and clean up a lot of mistakes just with that condor-like reach, um, and that might be uh, that might not be even covering it. I think he might have a bigger reach than most condors. So um, it's it's quite um, it's quite difficult to to make a pick there, and and uh, you know it goes back to not really being able to be confident in inconsistent teams, and I think that's what both of those have been. For me, anyway, this year. Columbus uh, in Tampa. Tampa, huge favorite. I believe they've lost three in a row. Um, but the, the other game that's interested to me, and a team that has been so good to me lately, has been the Nashville Predators. I've been banging them as the underdog on the lock shop the last couple shows. They've come back. I mean, they've won, I believe, eight of nine. They've been doing winning most of those games as a plus-money underdog. Um, and this is a huge game for Dallas tonight. Dallas does have these games to make up, but they've also got a lot of ground to make up right now. And a, a regulation win by Nashville will put them really in a powerful position when it comes to that finals playoff spot in the division. You know, I was going to uh, write something about it earlier this week, and I never got around to it. But, I mean, Pecorine is, a, a, you know, a, a guy who's, who's in the Vesna conversation a couple of years ago, has one bad playoff, well, a couple of bad playoffs, really, if we're being fair, and, and loses the net. And I think he's back, man. I think Pecorine is back. And when he's on, he's, he's just as good as anybody else in the league. Um, I'm seeing right now that it's on confirmed who starts tonight, although Saros went in the last one. So I, I'm with you. I'm, I already have my bet in on the Predators as home underdogs tonight. Uh, you know, they were trash early in the year. They really, really were. But, you know, lately they, they've seen some success. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm still going to run with them. Dallas hasn't really been able to figure it out. They had that huge win in their first game of the year. And since then, it's been kind of not that impressive. So, I, uh, you know, I, again, not teams that I watch a ton, you know, Dallas and Nashville, but it seems Nashville's been getting it done. And if you're getting a good number, then, you know, I don't see a reason not to. Uh, Chris Abbott from Coolbet with us here. Follow Chris at Coolbet Chris and Coolbet at Coolbet Canada. Um, you know, our, we, we had to wait a little bit, a few dark days for curling fans like us to get back at it. Yeah. But the World Championships are back. We had so many of our listeners have so much fun throwing down bets for the Scotties and the Briar. And now we're going to do it again for the World Men's Championship, which begins tomorrow morning. Uh, we've got futures for the entire tournament. You can bet winner and top three. And certainly looking at the odds, two clear favorites, Brendan Botcher of Canada, Nicholas Adin of Sweden, and then the Scots are at 3-1. to one. After that, you've got Switzerland 9-1 to one, and then 20-1 to one or more for the rest of the field. Uh, how many realistic teams do you think have a chance to win this, Chris? I wish I knew more about, about more of the teams that are coming in, um, I, and I'm only quite familiar with, with just a handful. But what I do know is I've watched Nicholas Adin curl live in person, and that rink is as good as any rink here in Canada. So, um, and that's why they're they're pretty much tied atop the the futures odds with with Brendan Botcher's team. It's going to be interesting because it's going to be a new territory for Botcher's group right here in the World Championship. I um I'm not completely sold that they'll uh, they'll make a, a huge splash. I think they're going to win based on their 
um, you know, their familiarity with the building and the amount of high-level competition they've been playing recently. And, uh, you know, just the fact that that Canadian curling is, is usually quite good. But I, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in on the Adeen team for sure. And I think, yeah, I mean, the odds say it, say it all. Like after the first four, it's 20 to one or worse. So there might be some value to be had if you can find yourself a good underdog early in the tournament and kind of ride with them, maybe someone who comes in under the radar. But I mean, I'm going to be honest with you, buddy. The first game tomorrow is Korea and Italy. And I'm not sure about the curling federation in either of those countries. <laughs> well, we'll uh, be able to put a sprinkle on it and we'll be all in for sure. Cannot wait for the world curling going. And speaking, the curling odds are up. I've just noticed a cool bet. WrestleMania odds are up. Next week, the road to WrestleMania is on. We'll have to talk about that. A pretty tight one, though. Bobby Lashley, plus 100. Drew McIntyre, minus 133. Usually when you look at wrestling odds, there's a pretty heavy favorite for obvious reasons. Pretty interesting that that one is so close. But we'll have some fun with that next week. Um, of course, right now we're watching the Jays and Yankees in opening day. Baseball is back, Chris. Um, I wanted to ask you about um, the action coming in on the futures markets for Major League Baseball. Um, what teams were getting all the cash? Uh, it should come as no surprise here in Canada that the Jays, we've taken an overwhelming amount of bets on them. I'm going to say uh, my math, uh, you know, my, my grade 12 first year university math is all I got to work with there. But uh, percentage wise looks to be about 70% of all futures bets we've taken are on the Blue Jays to win the World Series. So they're sitting at 30 to one right now. We have a significant liability on them. So uh, we'd be quite happy to lose that money if it meant a Jays World Series victory. But um, you know, outside of the Blue Jays, other teams that uh, some risk has come in on the Kansas City Royals. We took one major bet on them at uh, 130 to one odds. But uh, when you look at just uh, you know the Padres uh, are after the Jays in terms of number of bets, and they're at nine to one right now. The Dodgers, uh, the Braves, the Astros. So the usual suspects. Nothing really out of the ordinary, uh, except maybe you know the Yankees at, at plus 575. We're not taking a lot of action on them, which uh, you know, they've, they've got a pretty good team there. So, um, you know, that's, that's not bad value. But, I mean, the, gosh, the baseball season is so long. So unless you're really confident in one of these futures bets, you're tying your money up for a really long time. No, everyone in the chat, it was not me that threw down the chunk on the Royals at 130 to 1. Although, <laughs> although I, don't, I don't mind it. Certainly in 2015, um, made a lot of money on the Royals with that wonderful run all the way to, uh, to the World Series. Um, Chris, what about San Diego? I mean, the Padres are one of the most intriguing teams. All that, all those off-season additions, getting Snell into the rotation. Um, you know, you've got Tatis. I mean, they the odds showed that people were onto them. They cratered below 10 to 1. Um, were there a lot of people that wanted to uh, get on the Padres before it started? Yeah, they're, they're, they're second on uh, kind of on both our, our bets and our risk. So the way I can, the way I have it, like I can see the total number of bets, how much risk we stand to lose um, if they if they win. And, they're second uh, after the Jays. I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing. Yeah, in, in number of bets, third in risk. We have some some risk on the Astros at 25 to one, um, and, and the Royals, as I mentioned. But that was just one bet. Uh, so really, you know, when you look at interest, it's the Padres. And this is going to be a team when we turn on the TV to watch uh, watch the Padres game or, or click on the stream, as it were, usually for people these days. You're going to be like, they got him too. They've got him too. Like they want, they did a, a significant amount of recruiting and uh, adding this summer. So, um, hey, it'd be great for that franchise if they could have the success. 
they still play in a tough division. They still might not be the best team in their division. So um, it's, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how late I'll be able to stay up and watch those West Coast games all summer, but uh, I think when San Diego and the Dodgers hook up, it uh, should be a lot of fun. Now that is definitely going to be must-see TV. Chris, before we go, I saw that either you or the Kubat account today tweeted out that you're looking for a bookmaker. What What do you need? What What are the prerequisites to get into the bookmaking game? Yeah, ideally uh, some experience. Remember that old commercial, how do I get experience? If I can't get a job, I can't get a job because I have no experience. <laughs> um, so that's, that's, um, that, that's a tough one. But uh, you know, uh, a, a math and statistics background, um, a sports betting uh, from a user uh, experience, uh, familiarity just with the industry, um, you know, uh, some some form of risk management training in any um, uh, realm, you know, uh, just a, a big part of being a, a bookmaker is separating yourself from the gambler, right, when, <laughs> to, to the risk manager. So I had some experience flipping over to the bookmaker side uh, earlier this year. And man, it was stressful. It wasn't even my own money, but you're judged on how much you can uh, make or lose um, for the sports book. So, uh, you know, something that you think is a good bet. Sometimes the bookmakers will come back to me and say, Hey, you're being a little too friendly to the player here. Put your bookmakers hat on. So, but yeah, a math background, um, you know, it's a very collaborative work environment. So somebody who thrives uh, in a collaborative work environment rather than, uh, than a silo, as it were, um, those are, those are some of the key things, but, uh, yeah, experience in the, in the betting industry in, in any regard would certainly be, uh, be smiled upon. Well, you can check that out at Cool Bet Canada on Twitter and uh, on Chris's uh, feed at Cool Bet Chris. We'll of course get the band back together with Dusty tomorrow for the lock shop. And then of course, next week is master's week and a big, big week at Cool Bet. And just on the way out, I have to say shout out to uh, the IT guys because the site Looks amazing. A little easier to tell who's playing at, uh, who the home teams are away. And uh, uh, just, I guess that's just a new uh, new upgrade today, if I'm not mistaken, because I'm pretty sure I was making bets late last night and it hadn't clicked in yet. <laughs> yeah, new new launch with some uh, user interface changes today. Basically, and full transparency, when I joined the team and, and our, our head guy, our head bookmaker in Canada, Harley, or, or he, was the, he was the first em- employee hired in Canada, um, you know, we were dealing with a purely Europe- European-facing company, and, uh, you know, we had to go in and, and introduce some new terms like spreads when they were used to handicap and things like that. Um, you know, for people who bet soccer, you see soccer games written, the home team is always on the left and the top, and, and that can be confusing. So all of our American sports then, you know, baseball, hockey, football, basketball, were showing up in the same kind of vein. And we said, guys, you know, if this is going to really appeal to Canadian users, we need to make sure that, um, it, it's what they're used to. It's what it's what they're intuitively going to look for. And, uh, you know, hats off to the IT guys because it, it was really like, um, you know, writing with their left hand or driving on the other side of the road for them because that's not what they know. So, um, yeah, uh, there's more to come, but this is the first uh, iteration. And uh, I agree. I think it looks pretty clean. So uh, thanks for noticing. Hey, Chris, great stuff. We'll talk to you tomorrow on The Lock Shop. Thanks for dropping in on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, and great job. I heard you on a good show yesterday with the boys, so uh, that was my world colliding. I loved it. <laughs> that was fun. We'll have to get JD on the program uh, sometime soon. I-, I certainly enjoyed that as well. Have a great weekend, dude. We'll talk to you tomorrow. All right, my friend. Take care. Thank you. You got it. There's Chris Abbott. Follow him on Twitter at Cool Bet Chris. And uh, yes, tomorrow, calling the shot. Abbott, Dusty, and myself finally cashed the partner parlay. It's been fun. Somebody has taken turns screwing it up. 
Uh, Chris and I teamed up to screw it up last uh, last week. Uh, but sooner or later, we're going to nail this three for three. So check that out. We'll have that going out tomorrow night. Um, certainly probably after the Jet game, if you want to tune in, we'll get you all ready for everything going on on Saturday. And, of course, uh, Cool Bet, great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. All right, we've got lots of things to cover with Michael Remus before the end of the program. Remo, let's uh, let's get you back in. Um, first of all, good stuff with Chris, of course. Great to have Rob Gale on the program. And Dave Pagnotta was awesome. I kind of mentioned, and we, we always joked uh, on the program about his spots on the big show with Troy and Westy. Um, it was great to finally get him in here. And uh, Man, there's a lot of hockey topics to get to, and uh, we covered a lot of them with uh, Dave. If you missed it, of course, you can check it on the podcast a little later on or uh, the YouTube replay. But it's uh, been a pretty busy show so far to finish up this short week. Yeah, covered a lot of stuff. Uh, we talked about the Jets game early, went kind of around the NHL. Dave hit a little Valor and then a little uh, bed. And we are watching the, you know, some of us in chat are following the Blue Jays game. Shout out to Mitch. 2-2 right now, top of seven. Uh, Teoscar Hernandez hit a home run. Uh, so that was, uh, we're having fun with opening day. I got my jersey uh, back here. I just pulled out the WWE belt for WrestleMania week uh, next week, huh? so we'll be yes. showing that one off. <laughs> well, I can't. I'm surprised that they've got numbers out already for these yeah, uh, for the WrestleMania. It it's not something that normally, not something that is normally, uh, yeah, throw, throw it on the shoulder. All right, let's go. I'm going to have to throw out the infamous picture of us at the WWE with caller number one Gregory Liverpool at some point. That, that, that will end up on the, uh, on the Sports Talk Winnipeg Instagram feed yeah, at in, some point. Uh, maybe at some we should point put that sure. up. And <laughs> I fo- think we should. Follow us on Instagram too, uh, Sports Talk WPG. We're closing in on 1,000 followers. On this, one, we just, on this uh, YouTube video right now, for everyone in chat watching, where we just hit 100 likes. Make sure you're liking the videos. Uh, hit the subscribe button. We're closing in 3,500 YouTube subscribers in like just under a month, which I think is incredible. So the support uh, has been has been awesome. Some great uh, ch- uh, action in the chat actually talking about um, Line A and Columbus because you and David were getting into that, how you know, Line A should get rid of his agent because he got traded for Columbus. I mean, he didn't know he was going to get Columbus when he asked for a trade. The wheel just kind of landed. Hey, these teams fit. I mean, I think if he knew he was going there, maybe – you know, maybe he wouldn't have asked for for a trade because the situation there, they're trying to get him to become this two-way guy. He's clearly not, he says he doesn't go into the corners. And as far as, you know, his style of play, he needs a center to set him up. Well, they traded away their number one center. So really uh, not a fit uh, line yeah. in Columbus. Well, well, hopefully they can make it work. You want to see him do well. Hope, yeah, oh, absolutely. I mean, I, it it just sucks that it's gotten sort of this messy so far. Although they beat Tampa, man, if they do that again tonight, they'll be right back at it. Everyone will be happy and they'll be pushing for a playoff spot. Hey, uh, shout out to uh, Joe from Winnipeg, who's in there, Mike Krasuski, Jeff Shute, and uh, hey, Ethan Burnell. Seeing a few quotes from uh, to pop in, in from uh, Ethan Burnell. Shout out to you. Ask me a number. I'm 863. Uh, it's great that you're golfing and it's great you're a fan of DQ. Shout out to Nick and Nikki for their hospitality yesterday here on the program um as i mentioned uh, you know we've got we had chris in valero texas open little golf report for breezy bend look who's on top of the leaderboard it's jordan spieth he's five under par one shot lead on scotty scheffler coming off a great run at the match play he's at four under tom hoagie's four under where is my guy oh evr eric van royen is number one and uh i'm trying to find abraham answer was four under par 
Ay, ay, ay. Finished up with a triple on the eighth and a bogey on nine to get to even. That is unfortunate because that was the guy I was on from last week, Tuesday's lock shop. Um, Remote, last night, we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. Nate McKinnon. For, two days ago, it was Connor McDavid losing it a little bit. He got a 5K fine. Last night, Nate McKinnon got a 5K fine for chucking Connor Garland's helmet right in his own face. Who got more bang for their buck for the 5K, McKinnon or McDavid? I think McKinnon. I, how many people have chucked a helmet at a guy? I actually thought of uh, Happy Gilmore's quote after he threw the club into the woods. I was just placing it with its home because it's made of wood and I wanted to be with his family. McKinnon's <laughs> like, hey, this is your helmet. I'm just giving it back to you. And it's funny when you watch the replay, you almost can't see the helmet because it's white and the ice is white. So there is some camouflage there. But I think maybe he's trying to, like, toss it lightly. and Just being helpful. He's just being helpful, trying to give the guy back his, his helmet. And maybe he didn't know his own strength. And the velocity on the helmet went right into the guy's face. I think, do they need to raise these fines? Like, is 5K, it's not deterring anyone from anything. So I think, <laughs> no, again, not too many people have thrown another player's helmet at a guy's face and gotten away with it. So I think McKinnon... Uh, got more bang for the buck there. Yeah, I, I I tend to agree as well. It certainly ended up being a great highlight. Shortly after it happened, I fired up Twitter, and the six consecutive tweets were the video of Garland getting his own helmet in the face, courtesy of uh, of Connor McDavid. He, hey, it was courtesy sort of Nate McKinnon. I mean, um, and McKinnon, you know, maybe in the off season, probably not a bad dodgeball player. I'm just yeah. just just saying. Um, a couple other things we need. Well, should we get to this right off the bat? Um, we did get a comment, Reem. Maybe you can read yeah. that. The, the discussion yesterday of Logan Stanley's number. When is he going to get a legit number, not a training cap number, so fans of Logan Stanley can feel confident going to get their jersey? Yeah, and I thought that was a legit question because we've seen, you know, Appleton eighty eighty two. He switched to uh, he switched to twenty two this year. Uh, you know, Shafley was in forty five. And then switch to 55. I mean, it happens. Guys come up with these high numbers, and then they switch to a lower number. And we kind of ripped, you know, ripped them, but we were just, you know, commenting on how Stanley, you know, he's an NHL player, deserves a real NHL number. Well, we got, I posted the clip on Twitter and Instagram. We got one comment who said, who comes up with the idea that certain ranges of numbers are acceptable or not? Is it the <laughs> same people who decide how far a bat can be thrown after a home run in Major League Baseball. So I think what whoa, he's saying... Whoa, 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 whoa. I do not want to be associated with yeah. angry about the bat flip guy. That's that, That's a bit extreme, commenter. What he's saying is, Hus, you just number shamed Logan Stanley. And Jeez. why? Like, who's to say some numbers are, are better than others? So I think we got to stop number shaming here. If he wants to wear 64 long term... He should be able to. Well, if he wants to, but I'm pretty sure that he doesn't want to. Who would? I mean, that is that. That's sixty four is the number of the backup guard on a CFL team, not an everyday NHL defenseman. Which I think most people would agree that Logan Stanley is turning into right in front of our eyes. If he's going to be a regular, um, you know, people don't understand. But yeah, like the guys that get like a cup of coffee before ending up in the East Coast League. That's what I think of when I see number 64. So if you're going to be, it will be interesting to see what number he gets. And we talked about this a little bit yesterday. 67, while not, well, pretty much a training camp number, would be an incredible flex if you are 6'7. 
Um, but I have a feeling Stanley will probably want to get to num- number seven, the number he wore with the moose. But, um, you know, you have to prove yourself, I guess, that you belong and that you're on the team before you get upgraded from the number they gave you at the start of training camp to one that they'll actually be selling in the stores. So you're saying you also hate bat flips in Major League Baseball because you think I love bat flips. I I think that that I I don't think we can make that comparison. That's what the commenter is saying us. The guy in our Instagram (laughs) comments that because you think 64 is a bad number, uh, you hate bat flips. Uh, Mitch uh, Perron, 57, horrible number. The only guy that should have ever worn 57 was Steve Hines for the Boston Bruins. Hines, 57, one of the great numbers of all time. That made sense. It doesn't for Perron. Um, We've got Bobby Hall. Logan Stanley looks like a guy that can be dominant in the next two years. I want to see him on the PP. Wow. How things have changed in Winnipeg. We're now talking about Logan Stanley being on the power play as opposed to being on the team. Uh, Mike Krzyzewski, Stanley should wear six. Uh, Yes, and Roger Quinnell wasn't Froelich's number 67 when he was here. Froelich has always worn 67. So as far as I can tell, that is by choice. He wasn't forced into that because he then wore others in other places. Although he may have got it the first time as a training camp number. Maybe he had some success and and stuck with it. Uh, You don't see as many of those as, uh, or you probably see more of those than you used to, some of the weird numbers. Um, But again, Stan deserves a real number it won't happen this year but i can i can pretty much guarantee to that commenter that tried to equate it with bat flipping and being mad about bat flipping that next year assuming logan stanley's on the squad he will not be wearing 64 they'll give him a better number and he will like it um Remus, uh, we're still waiting uh, for word on what's happening with the North Division, and that is going to be a big topic with the Winnipeg Jets, as well as Blake Wheeler's status for tomorrow's game, I guess, is first and foremost on Jet fans' minds. Um, you know, The Wheeler status, I'm sure we'll find out closer to game time or maybe at game time, but the status of the games beyond Friday for the Winnipeg Jets, considering they're supposed to play Vancouver, very much up in the air, along with the team schedule. Yeah, very up in the air. So, I mean, all we can do is wait. Uh, you hope they can figure it out. And I think there was some speculation by myself and in chat, you know, maybe a break for the Jets wouldn't be the worst thing. They've had a lot of games in March. Uh, let, you know, if Wheeler misses Friday, maybe he'll be back for another game. So this is actually one time, Hus, where I, I think I might be open to to some COVID uh, postponements. Not good for, for fantasy. I do, have, um, I do have a bunch of Calgary guys in my lineup and Blake Wheeler. So uh, from a fantasy perspective, I don't want any midweek postponements, but... If there wa- if it were to happen, you know, I think the Jets would welcome a break, especially if they're still at home. Now, I I, I saw the Wheat King. Look, okay, let's talk about April Fools here for a minute, okay. because it is, of course, and happy April to everybody. Do we have any jokes that we're gonna make? Um, you know, I, I didn't want to come and do any. I mean, usually the morning on social media is where you see all of the gags for that, and I did see one actually that cracked me up big time today. Um, it was a it was a joint statement on behalf of Dwayne the Rock Johnson of the XFL and Randy Ambrosi of the CFL. Uh, extremely excited to announce the official merger of the XFL and CFL for a minimum contract term of no less than five years. Uh, apparently, they agreed that it'll be four downs, no fair catch, goalposts will be located where they currently reside in the CFL game, no more rouge, but they will have twelve players. 
no more Canadian ratio and a 30-second play clock. And this, of course, was just to stir up already angry fans of the three-down game that were already bent out of shape about the potential of getting into bed with The Rock and the XFL in these tough times. I saw that. Uh, It was plausible. Uh, I know the release doesn't exactly scream professionally made release. Someone may have done that in Word and put a couple logos on it and say, hey, this is official. I thought it was well done as far as April Fool's uh, jokes go. Might have got me. I did see someone tweeting from at NHL Jeffs, J-E-F-S. Uh, you know, and I fooled. Said the Jets had acquired David Savard for Billy Hainala, and uh, it got me for a second. I was like, "Oh, did they? Did they?" And then I looked at the account, and it was NHL Jeffs. So that the- one, that one got me. There was one that we can bring up that I thought was a low blow, uncalled for. I do. Should I? I have the the picture here. I'm gonna pull it up. <laughs> okay, Please here. do. It was the goat Tom Brady tweeting out. With opening day today, excited to announce we're bringing the Expos back for the MLB in 2022. Excited to be the first player coach owner in MLB history. I like Tom Brady. Uh, you know, he's, you can't argue greatest quarterback. This was a low blow. This was not fair to Expos fans. This was kicking them while they're down. Uh, unless this is actually real, which it is not, um, then there's no joking about... There's, you don't joke about... Uh, you know, bringing back a, a defunct team. No, I I, uh, I was completely triggered by this tweet, as I'm triggered by many things that Tom Brady has done over the past 20 years. And I needed heavy restraint not to fire off a couple expletives at Tom Brady. Not that he would have seen it, but everyone else would have seen me losing it on social media at Tom Brady and looking like an idiot. So I did dial it back, but I'm not... Uh, I'm a big enough man to admit that I almost went there on that tweet. I'm still mad about the Super Bowl. I'm not over it. And then to have him rub that in the faces of Canadian baseball fans really took me off. Now, listen, the best one that I've seen, and I'll be honest, this one actually did get me. It isn't until right now that I'm realizing that this is a joke. The Brandon Wheat Kings today announced that they're bringing back Cooper All Hockey Pants for Throwback Thursday. Now, they did a great press release saying fans love the vintage look and players love the feel, so we're excited to change things up a little bit from Wheaties coach Don McGilvery. Now, they said that it was no easy feat to secure 24 pairs of the legendary hockey pants, but thanks to the Wheaties equipment staff, each player has a custom pair to wear for their game against the Regina Pats tonight. During the extended offseason, equipment manager Scott Lady and his staff made each pair by hand as the Cooperall brand no longer makes the product. I'll be honest. I read this. I was legitimately excited to see the Wheaties back in Cooperalls. And let's not forget some of the Wheaties' greatest success happened in Cooperalls, including Ray Ferraro's legendary 108-goal season was done wearing the long pants. You sent me that. You're saying that's not true? They're not wearing Cooperalls? I, I, I'm expecting them not to be wearing Cooperalls tonight. That's, it's sort of, you don't joke about what Cooperalls. I think people <laughs> wouldn't want to see that. I think that's not, a, that's not funny. I got really excited for Cooperalls. So you're saying they didn't sew them individually? <laughs> Apparently not. Apparently not. Oh, that's horrible. You don't, you don't mess with people like that. I don't think that's not fair. There's, there's, there's joking around and then, you know, there's taking it too far and getting people excited for stuff. So. 
Uh, I think Tom Brady. I think Tom Brady is a real foul. The Cooperall is kind of funny, uh, to be serious. I'd like to see Jofa helmets come back. I think if they did Jofa helmet night or something, they should. That'd be that. a hell of a throwback Thursday. Wheaties can wear Cooperalls. Everyone will have Jofa buckets on, and mm-hmm. I'll tell you what, people will tune in for that. Still keeping an eye on this Jays Yankees opening day matchup, two two in the seventh inning. For those of you watching with us live here on YouTube. Um, and Remo, right back at it tomorrow. I mean, the Jets, that being said, of course, tomorrow's Good Friday, Passover as well. We'll be taking the day off as long as uh, many people. But, man, come Monday, we are going to have so much to talk about coming out of the weekend, hopefully with two games for the Jets. That will to be determined based on what's happening with the Vancouver Canucks. And Masters Week begins on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily next week. Hoping to have Reed Fowler join us on Monday. We'll mix in maybe a visit from Feinberg and Zacchino early in the week so everyone can get their pools and whatnot bet. And I got to tell you, this part of April, hockey coming down the stretch, baseball's back, the Masters, that is when you know that spring is here. And from the looks of it, we're going to have a pretty nice weekend here and around Winnipeg and really double-digit temperatures for the next week. Yeah, it's supposed to be nice that I was looking. It's funny. I remember when I was in school around this time, it would be like baseball opening day in Masters. Masters week and it would be exam time and I would have a very hard time getting any work done. Uh, thankfully, I'm doing this, uh, talking about it, and I can have the Blue Jays game on. So this is pretty, pretty fun. WrestleMania week as well. I've been seeing on my Twitter timeline this day. You know, 30 years ago, uh, Hulk Hogan slammed Andre the Giant, or people were tweeting today. This day in history. Uh, Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior faced off at the Sky Dome in WrestleMania 7. Uh, so uh, a lot of great memories, uh, I think, come up when you would talk about WrestleMania. Yeah, next Friday or uh, getting into the weekend, we'll definitely do a little we, bit on uh, on the big we, show. We do have a, a lot of uh, shout-outs and mentions in chat. We do have to, I don't think we brought it up uh, on this day in Please history. Please do. Jamnov scoring the five goals against the Kings in a 7-7 seven, seven tie, where he pulled I, off the Jamnov. Yes, the move that was then named after Jamnov. Every kid in Winnipeg tried it and practiced nonstop and stopped shooting. They just wanted to do that move. Funny thing was, I saw that, and if you had asked me beforehand, I would vividly remember the game. I believe I saw it at Academy Uptown Lanes Bowling. I believe it was a Saturday night game and a late game, obviously, with it being in L.A. But my recollection was that the Jets won 7-5. I did not remember that it was a 7-7 tie. I guess the 5 Key number was Zamnov's five goals. But a big, big day in Winnipeg Jets history. Hard to believe. I think that's uh, 25 years ago or 26 years ago today. Um, and that, folks, is no joke. Um, Remo, another great, great week here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. A little bit short, of course. As I mentioned, we're not on tomorrow for Good Friday. Um, but we'll look forward to the game tomorrow and right back. And hopefully, folks, if you can, spread the word. Tell some friends, get them to subscribe on YouTube and, of course, on whatever their favorite podcast feed. And when we come back on Monday, we'll have passed the drive to 3,500 and we'll be on to 4K on our YouTube subscription. I think we're very close. And so, yeah, as you said, tell your friends. Even if you don't want to tell your friends, uh, just hit hit the like button on any social media, you know, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, on here. Uh, leave a comment if you're watching on a replay. Uh, all that helps us uh, spread the word. And we are, yes, closing in to 3,500 YouTube subs, which uh, is pretty awesome. So thank you all uh, in chat. We've had some lively uh, discussion today, a lot about Andrew Kopp, as I said. People were firing up Stanley, Lion Ake, all, all comes up throughout the show. No matter what we're talking about, uh, people are having a blast. 
Yeah, and uh, don't eat too much candy on the weekend. Um, I'm a personally a mini eggs guy, but I will say this. I've tried the Hershey Eggies before, and I didn't think they were anywhere near as good, and I sort of became that guy. You know, there's some things you don't mind not getting the name brand, but with, the, with mini eggs, I always wanted the Cadbury ones. I'm going to admit to something here, folks. I could not help myself when I was at Shopper's but jump on the, I think it's like President's Choice milk chocolate eggs, basically mini eggs. You get about three times as much for almost the same price. I didn't notice the difference at all. So I'm now a uh, a PC milk chocolate egg guy as opposed to mini eggs. Um, to me, those are number one. I don't know. Where are you? Mini eggs or Cadbury yeah. cream egg, Reem? Uh I'm not familiar with those, Hasse. I sell by Passover, so we're not eating any uh, any chocolate or anything. No, just kidding. We're talking. Uh, <laughs> this is the time. <laughs> I'm not. I don't. I don't eat those. Uh, I don't. know. I think the mini ones are fine. The mini ones. What about? Are you? Do you like the Cadbury Easter cream egg though? No, I don't want anything to do with uh, fake yolk candy well, yolk. I, I haven't I mean, had one I've, of those in a while, but they are amazing, and you can also get them in. I wonder if DQ's got them in a blizzard. I've, that no. would be a great Easter treat. I'll tell you that. Those, um, uh, those yeah, those gross me out, so I never tried the mini eggs. I, I would buy. No, the mini eggs are are unbelievable. But anyway, there's a good value tip if you're thinking that the real ones are maybe a little too expensive, or you just want more. Pop down to your local drugstore and you get a good knockoff mini egg uh, for about uh, one tip. third the price. Yeah, it certainly is. We're trying to give some good deals here on the program. Uh, big thanks to Not Auto Corp, great sponsors of ours Boston Pizza, Winnipeg, Royal Sports, Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Easter Cake still available. Pop by and see him, Niverville. St. Anne's, Polo Park, and the big store, DQ Northgate, where I was yesterday. Of course, Breezy Bend, Driving Range opening tomorrow, and Cool Bet Canada. Um, Speaking of Cool Bet, I'll be back with Chris and Dusty tomorrow on the Lock Shop. If you're not following already, give us a follow on Twitter at Lock Shop Bets. And Remo, fingers crossed, we'll be back here on Monday. Get ready for the Masters. But hopefully talking about the Jets and Vancouver Canucks actually playing on the weekend. That'll be a huge story as well as Blake Wheeler's status going into tomorrow night. And uh, don't really know what the weekend will bring other than uh, it should be great. And looking forward to uh, getting back together with everybody on Monday's edition of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Yeah, some great weather uh, coming up. I love looking at the forecast and seeing it in the positive and uh, yeah, we'll see. Well, M- Monday's show, we'll definitely be recapping the Jets game Friday. And I'm sure you're fist bumping at that uh, Jays double play that just happened. Everyone in chat is pretty fired up. <laughs> Everyone in chat's fired up. <laughs> me too. Them. Me too. You can tell what team I'm on today on yeah. this game. You can see me. You can see my face while you're talking. I was like, oh, double <laughs> double play. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, I, Monday. Hopefully, there, hopefully there's a Jets game uh, talk. But if not, uh, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll, hey, Travis Al. Travis L, Gary, Chad, Darcy, great to have you in. Uh, and, uh, and hey, Tristan Rivers Music, great to have you as well. Discount advice for mini eggs. We are Winnipeg. Sports talk, LOL. Exactly. Now, hey, we know this city. We know everyone's looking for a good deal around here. There's my Easter advice to you from Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. All right, we got to get the pods up. Big thanks to Dave Pagnotta, Valor FC head coach Rob Gale, and our pal Chris Abbott. Remo, great job all week. Thanks to everyone for the support. Keep on spreading the word for Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Have a wonderful Passover and Easter weekend, and we'll look forward to seeing you back here live on YouTube at 1 o'clock Monday afternoon and on the pod Monday afternoon as well. Folks, have a great one. Enjoy the weather. Get outside. And we'll see you Monday here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Oh, my God. Shut it down. 
Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.